Welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington on this live broadcast from Studio 14. Here are some of the top stories we are covering today, this Thursday, February 9, 2023. One woman was burned to death during a plane crash in Upper Nile State. The investigation is the one who will tell what was real exactly. Uh, we'll uh, get with the report from the pilot. And the French medical charity says it has resumed operations at Kajokeji Hospital. The launch of the much-needed medical services in the Kajokeji Hospital would help to ensure that people in Kajokeji County are able to access quality health care for free. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. One person was killed in another plane crash in South Sudan Wednesday. Six passengers and two crew members who were on board survived the plane crash. Kur Kual, Director General of Juba International Airport, says the ill-fated caravan departed Juba at noon on Wednesday, heading to Mandeng and crashed during a takeoff at Mading's airstrip. For VOA News, Manyang David Mayar reports from Juba. Kurkwal, Director General of Juba International Airport, told South Sudan in focus the 12-seater caravan bearing registration 5YBMZ departed Juba Wednesday morning heading to Madeng in Wulang County of Upper Nile State when it mistakenly landed in Madeng. He left Juba at 11.30 because we were supposed to go to, to Madeng, but they, go, they went to, to Madeng. He landed safely. And after uh, just some time, they see it is a wrong location, so they were about to, to go to a real location at, at Mandan. So the plane started take off at 1.50 uh, p.m. Uh, afternoon. During taking off, the pilot landed that there is a smoke on one engine. Qual says the pilot decided to crash land and managed to evacuate six passengers. He says one elderly lady who was not able to get out of the plane burned to death. He says investigations are still underway to establish what might have caused the fire in the plane's engine. The plane is totally burned. So the investigation is the one who will tell what was real exactly. Uh, we will uh, get with a report from the pilot. The small 5Y BMZ caravan plane is owned by Seven Wide Star Company. Upper Nile State Minister of Information, Luke Sadaladin, says he confirms the incident and says a boy was critically wounded when the plane crashed on a building shortly after takeoff at Madine Airstrip. I called the commissioner. Mm. Commissioner, give me uh, all the information. Yeah, information. Uh, the the lady, one lady is passed away, and then uh, three is injured, and also there's uh, four four houses damaged, four houses, one in school, but the one 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 boy is is very very yeah his his health is dangerous. Last month, a cargo plane heading to Lankan in Upper Nile State with a handful of passengers, crew, and food commodities crashed some five minutes after takeoff from Juba International Airport. 
All three passengers and two crew members on board survived. In 2021, a cargo plane crashed in Juba, killing all five crew members on board. Earlier last year, a plane crash killed all 10 people on board in Jonglei State. South Sudan Aviation authorities say the high number of plane crashes is due to the use of outdated aircraft and overloading planes. For VOA News, Amanyang David Mayor in Juba. A French medical charity, Doctors Without Borders, also known by its French acronym MSF, and the South Sudan's Ministry of Health have resumed healthcare services at Kajokeji County Civil Hospital in Central Equatorial State. MSF says the hospital was destroyed during the country's conflict. The group says the hospital can now offer quality health care in maternity, emergency room, intensive care unit and surgery. For VOA News, Deng Deng reports from Juba. MSF says it has resumed services at Kajokeji County Hospital in Central Equatorial State. MSF Head of Mission in South Sudan, Jocelyn Yapi, says the group is now offering free health care to residents of Kajokeji Town. The launch of a much-needed medical services in the Kajokeji Hospital will help to ensure that people in Kajokeji County are able to access quality health care for free. MSF is pleased to collaborate with Ministry of Health and other actors to provide medical humanitarian assistance where it's needed, including in response to incidents of violence. Last week, 21 people were killed and two others injured when suspected armed cattleheaders from Jonglei State's Bor County attacked several villages. MSF says within the first 24 hours of the opening, the hospital received at least nine patients, including three children who had gunshot wounds. Yapi says the MSF is concerned about more violent incidents that could cause further suffering and loss of life. Violent incidents like this are of grave concern to MSF because they lead to suffering, loss of lives and displacement of people. Insecurity may make it too dangerous or risky for the patient to seek the health care they need at clinics and medical facilities like the Kajokeji Hospital. The Kajokeji County Civil Hospital, freshly renovated by MSF, runs in partnership with the Ministry of Health to provide secondary level care services relating to emergency and intensive care, medical and surgical emergency, pre-delivery care for pregnant women, delivery and obstetrical surgeries, medical care for sick newborns, antenatal and postnatal care, as well as family planning. MSF says its teams are also visiting areas with displaced people to assess the situation and will begin distributing essential items such as blankets, soap, water containers, and bed nets to help prevent malaria. For VOA News, I am Dengai Deng in Juba. Still in Juba, Amnesty International is expressing concern over the disappearance of a South Sudanese activist, Maurice Mabior Awik Jok, who is regarded as a government critic. Awik Jok was reportedly arrested by unknown men in the Kenyan capital, Nairobi, on Saturday. The rights watchdog says it is concerned over social media reports that Awik Jok was transferred to South Sudan and is being held in the custody of the South Sudan's National Security Service in Juba. Irungu Houghton is the executive director of Amnesty International Kenya. 
He tells my colleague Nabil Biagio that Kenyan and South Sudanese authorities should investigate the disappearance of the activist and provide information on his whereabouts and the circumstances that led to his reported arrest and detention. We are very concerned by the forceful abduction and disappearance of uh, Morris Mabir, a weak jock, um, a few days ago in Nairobi. Uh, what we've learned um, from the family and from witnesses is that um, about five people uh, approached um, Morris in his home. He is a fairly well-known uh, government critic or gov- uh, critic of the South Sudanese government and um, ransacked the house, um, stole uh, phones and also laptops and uh, essentially whisked him away in handcuffs. And this concerns us dramatically because it, it probably means that um, uh, it's not a criminal. Uh, it doesn't, sound, doesn't appear to be a criminal uh, exercise, particularly in the context of um, uh, of handcuffs. We've also learned from the media reports that um, uh, local police have suggested it could be the anti-terrorism police unit. They have denied this, but I think the deep concern is that really um, his whereabouts are unknown. And uh, we have had many cases of um, refugees or asylum seekers in the Kenyan context, uh, particularly South Sudanese who have been not only abducted, but possibly returned to South Sudan, where they are um, then either uh, tortured or in some cases like Dong and Agri in 2017, they are killed. Yes, if we step back a little bit and just ask who is a wing jock and why might he have been targeted? So it's not uh, extremely clear his background, but we do know that he has um, had a uh, experience in uh, governments, probably in, in one of the local governments, but um, he has been an outspoken critic of the South Sudanese government. Um, and that as much as is in the public domain. But um, regardless of his criticism of the government, I think the the important thing to recognize is that um, there are uh, international conventions that stop um, states from, um, uh, you know, uh, forcibly abducting people and um, uh, taking them across borders against their will. This uh, UN convention uh, has been signed by the government of Kenya. Um, and uh, if it has been the case that he was abducted on Kenyan soil, um, then we should be deeply concerned. Kenya is a sanctuary nation. It is essentially a country that has committed to providing safety for um, fleeing um, citizens from its neighboring countries. And um, for uh, Mabir to be uh, arrested and um, abducted on Kenyan soil, I think it's deeply concerning. You say in your statement that your concern is based on what you have documented about South Sudan's National Security Service and its involvement in arbitrary arrests and detentions and other rights abuses. Can you elaborate on that? Yes, I mean, I I think, um, you know, the first thing that, um, you know, that we have to point out is the possible disappearances, they destroy the basic elements of any rule of law, but it doesn't matter whether it is Sudanese law or whether it is Kenyan law or American law. Um, But essentially, when somebody is forcibly disappeared or abducted, uh, they deny their rights to freedom from torture, uh, legal representation, a fair trial, and any protection under the law. Um, In fact, if anything, it it actually destroys the concept of the right um, to be presumed innocent until you are guilty. Um, So I think this is the major danger of uh, this practice. 
Uh, in the case of South Sudan, um, as I've mentioned, there have been a number of cases um, where people have been uh, arrested and um, returned uh, against their will back to South Sudan. And I think the most infamous case has been the case of Dong Nagri in 2017. What are you asking the authorities in Juba and Nairobi to do? Well, first of all, I think they, they, if they have um, arrested him, that they should be released um, or at least presented in a court of law. And um, given that he has been arrested in Kenya, he should be presented in a court of law in the Republic of Kenya. And the second one is that if there are no charges against him, that he should be released. The third really is, is that um, uh, both in Sudan and in South Sudan and in Kenya, we need to ask questions about what actually happens. It, um, it is not the case that either the anti-terrorism police unit or uh, the National Security Service are, you know, are responsible, are not responsible for his abduction. Then um, we must be clear that Morris um, Mabura does deserve protection under the law. That was Irungu Houghton, Executive Director of Amnesty International Kenya. He was speaking with my colleague Nabil Bihajo this past hour from the Kenyan capital, Nairobi. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, South Sudanese celebrate Pope Francis translator. Find out why after the break. such a thing as unconditional love. The reason why I say it's there because I've seen my parents and I've seen there is unconditional love in their relationship. Basing on the way like my dad treats my mom, the love is unconditional. No, no, I don't think that uh, because uh, human, it's very difficult to predict human beings. So uh, human beings are just unpredictable. Anybody can change at any time. So that's why I, I believe there is no unconditional love. I'm one of the people who believe in real love and therefore I believe in unconditional love. It exists. It's there. It's been exercised among people and we have the ability to give unconditional love. So it's there. Honestly, I've not been there before, so I don't know much about it, but a lot of things that I've seen people are struggling to love each other. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. Hello, I'm VOA health correspondent Linor Mudu. The World Health Organization and U.S. Centers for Disease Control say coughing and sneezing can spread COVID-19. Physical distancing, staying at least one meter away from people outside your family, can protect everyone. For more information, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest on COVID-19. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. 
Channel Sudan in Focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in Focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. The World Health Organization and Africa Center for Disease Control say we can all help fight the corona pandemic by wearing face masks that cover our mouths and nose when we are in crowded places or areas. For more information, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest news on COVID-19. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on The Voice of America. South Sudanese are celebrating Father John Loboka, who was the official translator of Pope Francis during his three days pilgrimage of peace to South Sudan. Father John says he was privileged to use his knowledge of Italian language to serve Pope Francis and the people of South Sudan. For VOA News, Juliana Shiapai spoke to him and reports from Juba. Reverend John Loboka is the regional superior of the Apostles of Jesus in South Sudan and Sudan. Father Loboka says his multilingual skills helped him overcome his fear after being chosen for the job of the Pope's official translator last weekend in Juba. Of course, I, in the beginning, I was a little bit hesitant because, we, as, as you know, that was really one of the high, highest moments one, one would engage in and one was not very sure whether one would be, be able to, to make it to that to, to the level expected, but uh, they encouraged me said, oh, no, you can do it, and uh, I said, okay, let me try. And thanks to God, uh, it, it went well. It was really a great privilege to be with the Pope almost throughout his day, from his arrival to his departure, I was close to him, uh, translating to, uh, from Italian to English, from English to Italian, and sometimes from Arabic to Italian as well. Yeah. Loboka, who speaks English, Italian, classical Arabic and French, started his primary and secondary school in Juba and joined St. Mary's Seminary. He says he was sent to Rome to study in English and he decided to also learn how to speak Italian. I was also sent to study interreligious dialogue with a special focus on Islam, so I was conditioned to study classical Arabic. And for that reason, I went to Cairo in Egypt. I studied Arabic for nine months. And then in Rome, at that institute, I studied Arabic for, the, for three years also. So that is another language that I had great interest in, in, in learning and practicing, so I studied classical Arabic. During my stay in Italy also, I learned French, at the Pontifical Urbanian University of Rome. Father Loboka says his first language as a child was Lochiga and Pojulu because his mother is Ugandan and his father is South Sudanese. He says his pastoral training helped him learn Kiswahili and Pazande, a language spoken widely in the parts of Western Equatorial State. He also teaches Latin at the St. Paul Major Seminary in Juba. In the course of Latin is basic. You know, it depends from year to year. There are some years in which the students really love it and they appreciate it. 
There are some other years in which they find it a little bit difficult. Latin language is uh, complicated, or complicated. It's quite different from English. Its structure, its grammatical structure, is quite different from English, and therefore some of the students take a little bit of time to grasp the concept of that language. Loboka encourages other people to learn new languages as a potential job opportunity. While in Rome, he says he also got to meet Pope Benedict XVI, but serving Pope Francis in Juba was the privilege of a lifetime. For VOA News, I am Juliana Shiapai in Juba. From Juba, we moved to Khartoum, where Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, met with officials in Sudan today in a move aimed to strengthen economic ties, including infrastructure. Reuters notes that Sudan was cut off from the international financing after its military takeover of a Western-backed transitional government in 2021. Sudan had also sought closer ties with Moscow before the overthrow of President Omar al-Bashir in 2019. And the deputy leader of the Sudan's ruling council expressed openness to hosting a Russian military base during a visit to the country a day before it invaded Ukraine last February. Western sources say Russia's missionary Wagner Group is also involved in extracting gold in Sudan. Reuters notes, beside Lavrov's visit, Sudan has hosted this week envoys from the U.S., Britain and France who support talks on a transition to democratic and civilian rule. The UN High Commissioner for Refugees, Filippo Grandi, has appealed for more aid to help Ethiopia's war displaced, saying they only received part of last year's needed funds. Maya Miskir reports from Addis Ababa. UN High Commissioner for Refugees, Filippo Grandi, says only half of the required funding for Ethiopia was met last year and has appealed for the international community to step up its support. The High Commissioner says addressing the needs of the Ukrainian people affected by Russia's invasion must not mean the needs of the rest of the world are to be neglected. Last year, UNHCR's program, I'm only talking about UNHCR's program in uh, Ethiopia, were only half funded. This is not acceptable. And I hope that this year, after the peace agreement, that there will be more attention and more support given to our programs. During his first visit to Ethiopia since the November peace deal was reached between Ethiopian Federal Forces and the TPLF, the High Commissioner visited Mekele, the capital of Tigray region, where he met with people displaced by the two-year war. I want to make a strong appeal that here, where there is an opening created by the peace process, it is absolutely important that all necessary resources are mobilized to sustain that peace agreement. The High Commissioner also visited the new refugee site in Alamwaj in the Amhara region, which shelters 22,000 Eritreans. I think there's quite a lot of work that we need to do in that, on that particular site to make, it, uh, to make living conditions better. We had quite a good discussion with the representative of the refugees. We also have to recognize that Eritreans have gone through a very troubled uh, uh, time. Prior to the start of the war in Ethiopia, about 20,000 Eritrean refugees were sheltered in camps in Tigray. Both camps were destroyed when they came under attack during the war. 
The High Commissioner also raised the importance of supporting the UN's work in Ethiopia in recognition of Ethiopia hosting the third largest number of refugees in the world with 880,000 people. A majority of those refugees are South Sudanese, followed by Somalis and Eritreans. Maya Msikr for VOA News, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today... What do you do on the weekends? Over the weekend, uh, uh, we I happen to read my books, the novels, and uh, sometimes I go for my leisure time, play pool tables, and uh, watch uh, football because I'm a fan of Arsenal. Weekends, most of the time I listen to music, I go to the beach, I hang out with my friends. Sometimes I go to the clubs, but mostly, most of my time I'm always with my mom. It is very good. Weekend is something where you can enjoy your life with either your wife, friends, girlfriends, your friends, and colleagues sometimes. So it can be in, in form of swimming, playing football, and watching football. I'm a great fan of football. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. During this pandemic, the World Health Organization and Africa Center for Disease Control say if you have a fever, a cough, or have trouble breathing, you should stay at home and contact a healthcare facility. For more information, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest health news. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. South Sudan in Focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. And that's all we prepared for you this Thursday. We now leave you with a B.A. Jazz Band and the song Samira.
Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.